<laughs> Some of you are wondering what's happened to Carl and Ange, our lead pastors. Well, they're halfway through their sabbatical. So I think today is the seventh Sunday they've been away, and uh, they're missing the next six again. They'll be back here first Sunday on the 13th of October. So keep praying for them as they are really, I think, I haven't really had too much contact with them. We promised as a team we would leave them alone and they can contact us if they want to. And so from what we hear, they're having a great time. So there we go. Some of you may remember a few years ago, this tragic incident that happened here in Christchurch. A mother was walking her two young children, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, down the footpath, and a young man in a highly modified, actually illegally modified car, uh, came around the corner. It had been raining and the roads were slippery, and he lost control of that vehicle and very tragically ran into this family, killing the four-year-old instantly and injuring the mother and the other child. Now, at the pre-trial hearing, um, the accused pleaded guilty. He was actually facing a maximum sentence of five years imprisonment for what he had done. But during the hearings, an amazing thing happened. Little boy's parents did this incredible thing. They forgave him for what had happened unreservedly and actually asked the judge that the young man be kept out of prison. This is what the mother said. She said a number of things in the court at the sentencing day or it might have been the pre Free sentencing, I'm not sure exactly when, but she said this. It's easy to raise voices in anger and condemn others for their mistakes. Although the effects of this mistake cannot be undone or made right, we do not believe he can be punished any more severely than by having the guilt of this accident on his conscience. It's remarkable. What a display of forgiveness and mercy from a couple who had who were totally devastated by the loss of their little boy. Now, the judge heeded their wishes. And instead of sentencing him to prison, he gave him a sentence of six months community detention with a weekend curfew and 200 hours of community work in addition to being banned from driving for three years. So this young man was forgiven. And he was certainly granted mercy by a reduced sentence But I want you to get this this morning. He wasn't actually pardoned for what had happened. He still had to pay a penalty for the conviction, which will be on his record for the rest of his life. Now, under our justice system, rightfully so for everybody involved, according to law, justice has to be done, but justice also has to be seen to be done by those that are looking into that situation. But the gospel is not governed by law. Isn't that right, all of our land? The gospel is governed by a totally different system, and that system is called grace. And the amazing good news of the gospel is that as far as God is concerned, you're not only forgiven, but you're also pardoned. You've been around for recent weeks. I've talked a couple of times on and off, and I've been just going through some of the wonderful truths of the gospel, the great good news of the gospel, which really brings great joy to all people. We should never forget how amazing that is. And on that first week, I shared about that life-giving truth that every single person is loved by God. And that truth will transform us if we accept it and experience that love for ourselves. The second great truth I shared with you of the gospel was that we are forgiven. You are loved, 
You're forgiven. And then I've mentioned already this morning, you are pardoned. In our legal system, it's quite rare for someone to be pardoned. Usually what happens is they're released back into society once they've served their sentence and met the requirements of the law. But every few years or so, we hear of someone who has actually been pardoned and set free. One of the most controversial cases in the last few years is the one of Taina Porter. You will have heard about him. Porter had been uh, 20 years in prison for murder. And in 2015, there was an appeal that happened after he was released. Actually, he'd already served 20 years, but appeal then revealed conclusive evidence that Porter wasn't responsible for the murder at all. He was innocent of that crime. It was considered a huge miscarriage of justice. Porter was released from prison. He was pardoned, and he received financial compensation of $3.5 million. Now, here was a man... He was 19 at the time, I think, or 20 when he was convicted. He served a lengthy sentence for a crime he was later deemed not to have committed. And when it comes to our lives, we know without doubt, don't we, that all of us are guilty as far as God is concerned. We've all sinned. The penalty of sin is death. It's judgment of God. But the good news of the gospel is, and you know this, we are loved. We're forgiven. We are pardoned when we turn to God. Being pardoned means there is no more debt left to pay. It's been paid in full. The penalty has been paid. And as far as the gospel is concerned, the decision regarding the conviction hasn't just been reversed for our lives, but someone else has taken the punishment for us. How about that? Colossians 2 verse 13 says you were dead Because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Listen to this part. He canceled the record of the charges against us. That's worth repeating. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Custom was that when a person was executed, hanging over their head for all to see was a copy of the charges which led them to be condemned to death. And for us, the list of charges against each of our names is huge. Sheets of it. But when Jesus was nailed to the cross in our place, the record against us was cancelled and obliterated from the books. Don't you like that? Isn't that wonderful? Can you imagine a court scene? The judge is sitting up in his chair, you know, elevated up, and the proceedings happens in front of him with the prosecution and the defending uh, lawyers, and and the defendant, the accused is over there, and the jury is over here, and there's some people watching, and the judge sits there and he's going, Well, counsel for the proposition, where are the charges against this person? They always do this in the TV, don't they, the, the, the lawyers? I can't find them, Your Honor. They were here a while ago, but now all I've, I've, all I've got before me is, is somehow this blank sheet of paper. I, I can't understand it. Well, if you actually have no actual charges then, 
Why are you wasting this court's time? Formally accused, you're free to go. You're pardoned. Furthermore, there's no evidence of a criminal record that can ever be held against you ever again. This case is dismissed. See, when it comes... I don't want a Wi-Fi password. Go away. <laughs> Anybody else need a Wi-Fi password? I know. When it comes to our lives, the record of the charges against us when we have turned our lives over to God and asked His forgiveness and become a child of God, it has been cancelled. The words have been obliterated. The charges have been taken away by being nailed to the cross, never to be brought up against us ever again. The Bible word for that is justified. I find it easy to remember what that means. Justified is just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Because of what Jesus has done, God looks at you just as if you'd never sinned. When he looks at the record held before him, he no longer sees your sin record. He sees Jesus' sin record, which is completely blank. I love that. Romans 4.25 and then 5 verse 1, they follow on from each other, those two verses. But someone decided to put a chapter in there. When they hundreds of years ago, it says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. How are we pardoned? How are we justified? By faith in Jesus Christ. How awesome is it that the one who is perfect paid the price and the penalty for the imperfect. How awesome is the sinless took the penalty for the sinful. Yeah. That young driver, I was wondering yesterday, I wonder where he is today and what's happening with his life now. He received that reduced sentence and he was shown mercy. And mercy Many felt he shouldn't have received. He didn't deserve it in many people's eyes. See, mercy is we get from God what we don't deserve. But when it comes to the way God deals with us, it's not just mercy that we get, which we don't deserve. He goes far beyond that. We also receive grace, which means we get far more than we even should deserve. So mercy, we don't get what we do deserve, which is judgment for our sin. But grace is we get far beyond what we do deserve. In God's mercy, we're forgiven. In God's grace, we are pardoned and justified. Dealt with just as if we'd never sinned. Wow. I love these simple great truths of the gospel, don't you? They tell us we are loved, we're forgiven, we are pardoned, and then we are accepted. 
You're accepted. Romans 15 verse 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know, the number one hurt in most people's lives is rejection. And sadly, many lives are lived the whole way through out of that rejection. And it's painful and it's, it's sad. And rejection happens to us in many small ways over our lives. And we're young and it can continue right throughout our lives. Feeling rejected is one of the most hurtful and wounding things that happens to us. And we do all manner of things to avoid it. Because as human beings, we long for acceptance, right? I do. In fact, apart from the basic physical needs of food, drink, and shelter, the three things we long for more than anything else are love, acceptance, and forgiveness, right? And they're all given to us through Jesus Christ. And the need to be accepted and not rejected is so powerful it can drive us in our lives, even though we may not be aware of it all the time, it influences the clothes we wear, the types of entertainment we get involved in, the people we even hang out with. So many decisions in life and so much of our behavior is based on the desire to be accepted. Someone once said, we buy things we don't need with money we don't really have to impress people we don't even really like. Because we've experienced rejection in so many ways, times we jump to conclusions about God. We think, oh, God won't accept me. People have rejected me so many times, he probably won't accept me. Or we might think, I've always have to work really hard for people to accept me, so I'm going to have to do lots and lots of things and do the best I can and try really hard for God to accept me also. Then we jump through all sorts of hoops to Try and get God's acceptance. And yet God actually settled this whole issue for a, a long time ago for us. Romans two, sorry, Romans three, verse twenty-seven. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal, our justification, our pardon is not based on obeying the law, it's based on faith. You know, the day that Jesus was baptized, God the Father's voice was heard from heaven. Matthew 3.17 tells us that the words came from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You tell me how much ministry success Jesus had had before God spoke those words? None. According to the gospel writers, Jesus had not yet begun his ministry. He had preached no sermon. He'd healed no sick. He'd raised no dead. He'd performed no miracles. Hadn't even yet begun to raise up his disciples around about him. Yet God said about him at that moment, I am very pleased with him. Unconditional acceptance and affirmation from heaven based solely on relationship. And it's so wrong for us to think we can turn our lives totally around all by ourselves before we can commit to God. Can't. We repent and turn them around in that sense. We cannot change anything about ourselves. How wrong we are thinking to have 
we are thinking to have to impress God with our good deeds and our attempts to be good and obedient before he will impart his grace to us. Why do we spend so much of our life trying to achieve what Jesus has already achieved? God's grace says we are loved, we are forgiven, we are pardoned, we are accepted. Every man made religions based on people doing all they can to be accepted by the gods or by God. And yet so often if we transfer this to our thinking, to our Christianity, if I do more, if I, I pray longer, if I read more chapters of the Bible, if I give more money, if I can do better, help more people, oh, ladies cross the road, and all those things, I'll get a few more gold stars in my performance chart, then God will accept me. I want to tell you this morning, God isn't a scorekeeper. He's not adding up all the good points and all the bad points. God's acceptance of us isn't based on our performance or what we have or haven't said or what we've done or haven't done. It's based on what Jesus has already done. It's all there for us to accept it and receive it by faith. Great news of the gospel. As we are loved unconditionally, We are forgiven. We are pardoned. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we become sons and daughters of God, and therefore we are totally accepted. I love the way Jesus continually shocked the religious bigots of the day. Don't you? In those days of the sacrificial system of worship, there were countless rules that disqualified people from drawing near to God. If you were considered to be a sinner in some way, you were disqualified. If you were a foreigner, you were disqualified. If you had a bad medical condition like leprosy, you were disqualified. If you were a woman, you were disqualified from so many things. So that sort of means if you're a sinful foreign woman with leprosy, you must have been about as far away from God as you could get, don't you think? But the moment Jesus started his ministry, he acted in a way that was totally scandalous. He made a beeline for all sorts of sinners. He made a beeline for all sorts of sick people and lepers. He made a beeline for the foreigners. He made a beeline for women and loved them with respect and dignity and shocked the people around him. What a huge contrast. The religious ones were operating under the law. Jesus ushered in the time of grace. The law excludes, but grace includes. The law draws lines between us and them, whereas grace tears down dividing walls. The law rejects, but the grace accepts. And Jesus accepted everyone who came to him, turned no one away. He even had a meal at times of one or two Pharisees. He loved the unlovable, accepted the unacceptable to reveal his gracious, his father's gracious heart to people. You know, we often talk about accepting Jesus into our lives, and it's a phrase we understand. But in fact, the wonderful news of the gospel begins with the announcement that God reaches out to receive you. His initiative. And it's his acceptance of you that makes the difference. In the eyes of the law, you're disqualified by sin, but in the eyes of the Father, you've been qualified by the outpouring of grace on the cross. You were far away, but in Christ Jesus, you've been brought near. You've been made acceptable for all eternity. 
because of Jesus. Man, I think we need this revelation in these days. Something that will transform every man and woman, young person and child. No matter what you've done. No matter what you've been involved in. No matter how many mistakes you've made. Or how shameful you may feel about your sin or some aspect of your life. God says when you come to him, you are acceptable to him because of Jesus Christ. And when you believe in Jesus and surrender everything to him, when God looks at your life, he doesn't see an unacceptable, unworthy person. He sees Jesus. God chose you to be his son or his daughter. To love you, live with you right throughout eternity. That's better than anything else you can be chosen for in the whole universe. He knows all about you. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, loves you. Forgives you. Pardons you. Accepts you in Jesus. We could just learn to live each day with that revelation resounding in our hearts right through our very being. What a difference it would make to our lives. Asking the team to come up right now, if you could. We're going to go back and sing part of that great song we sang before. I, I love it. You know, the words, I've got to find them because I always make words up if I can't find them. Once I was broken, but you loved my whole heart through. Maybe you're feeling broken this morning. Maybe you say, well, I still am. The love of God and his mercy is always, arms are open for us. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, you know it's a very simple process, really. It's not you reaching out to him, it's him reaching down to you by the cross. But it's by saying, I recognize I am guilty of sin. I, 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 I've made a mess of my life, the mistakes. I can't do it on my own. I turn my life around to you and repent from what I've been like and say, God, I want to surrender to you. Thank you for your forgiveness because of Jesus. Thank you for your pardon for me because of Jesus. Thank you for your grace towards me. Once sin had hold, well, has no hold on me because your grace holds me now, healed and forgiven. Look where your chains, my chains are now. Death has no hold on me because your grace holds that ground. Just for a few moments while the team starts to wind up so we can sing it. Can we close our eyes this morning? You know, in the song, and songs are just songs. Yeah, but sometimes songs have wonderful truths and many times they do written in them. And there's just something about some of these things in here this morning. You say, Lord, maybe you're in one of two places today. One, you, you've never surrendered to Jesus, never asked him to forgive you, come into your life and to take control. Maybe you've never done that. Or maybe like most of us, or many of us here, you've done that years ago or even recently. But you need again today to say, God, I just want to thank you that you love me. I thank you I can never do enough to make myself good enough for you. But Jesus has done it. And I surrender this morning. I I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your pardon. I thank you that you accept me as your son and your daughter. Father, as we sing this song today, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would touch our hearts again. 
that we might have that thrill of knowing that we could do nothing of our own to change our lives or make ourselves different, but you have done it all through your grace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for it this morning, Lord. Thank you for the joy the gospel brings us, the joy of the great news that brings great joy to everyone who hears it. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing that again. Thank you.